welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. It's been a busy week for Argyle with no fewer than three friendly games this past week. And joining me to look back on those games are our football experts Chris Arrington, Jack Ball and Baron Cross. Hi guys. Good afternoon. Hello, Hello Stu. Uh, Chris, start with you. You've been at all three games. Um... How's, how's pre-season going for the Pilgrims, did you say? Uh, well, we were at Tiverton last Tuesday, and I was impressed with Tiverton. They gave Argyle a good run for their money. Argyle had to come from behind to win that game, and uh, I thought that was a, a, a good, valuable exercise for Argyle. Most of the squad got a run out that night. Uh, then they travelled to Buckland Athletic on the Wednesday night. You, you were there with me, and we had yeah, a great time at Buckland. It was, um, the people there were very friendly, great setup. If you ever get a chance to go and see a game at Buckland Athletic, I would recommend it. Clubhouse was great. Burgers were good, weren't they? Fantastic. Even well, me about the burgers. <laughs> I must say the burgers were better at, um, oh, at Western one? on Saturday. Okay. They were superb. Um, <laughs> so it's a good game. Argyle won, you know, convincingly, which you would expect to get to Buckland, but it was a good workout. And then we went up to Western Supermare. We dodged the traffic chaos on the M5 on a Saturday. Surprise, surprise. Um, which meant the kickoff was delayed by 15 minutes. Um, and I was a bit surprised how easily Argyle won the game. It was just a very routine win for them. Western being in the National League South, I thought might be the provide the toughest opposition for Argyle so far in pre-season, and that wasn't the case. And it was it was a very uh, comfortable win for Argyle. So they've won all the games. They've looked you know pretty decent going forward. They've not been tested defensively. A lot tougher tests ahead in pre-season and once the League One campaign gets underway. I, I said in the blog, and I don't know if you agree or not, I mean, you know the issues we had with knowing what the Western team was, we didn't have a clue because we weren't given a team sheet. Mm. So it's difficult to know just how strong that team was, wasn't it? Because mm. there was word that they were fielding a lot of trialists, yep. so we don't know if it was a team full of trialists or whether it was only one or two, it's, so yeah. it was really difficult to gauge what sort of strength of opposition Argyle were facing. I did hear some comments from the Western manager after the game and I think it was a pretty strong team um, and he wasn't very impressed with his team's performance and I don't blame him because they, they, they weren't, weren't really at the races, I don't mm. think. It was, um, I, I thought Western would give Argyle a really good really good test and in the end it was it, it, was, it was a bit too easy. 3-0 um, up at half-time and... Uh, you know, I think most of the second half we were just sort of, you know, contemplating how nice the burgers would be. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Uh, one sort of downside to pre-season so far, though, is, is probably these injuries to Sonny Bradley, Jacob Soklik, uh, Jamie Ness, Aaron Taylor-Sinclair and Ryan Taylor. All of those missed the game up at Western on Saturday and a few of them have missed a few games now. Is that a concern for Derek Adams? I know he sort of said to you rather bluntly he's bored of talking about injuries, <laughs> but from our, an Argyle fan's point of view... They're, they're going to be slightly concerned, aren't they? Well, I, I keep asking them about the injuries after games and he's probably fed up of me asking the same question in a, in a different way. Uh, there's still three weeks, just under three weeks to the start of the season, so I wouldn't panic just yet, but clearly you would like players to get as much game time in as they, as they can get. Um, the other side to that, though, is you know, don't take any risks with people in pre-season. You know, if, if, if they come back now and damage something more severely, you're going to miss the start of the season and... Who know what? Who knows what happens? So, I'd, I'd, I'd be cautious with injuries. And the good thing about Argyle's squad is that even with those players out that you've mentioned injured, they still have eighteen players on duty uh, at Western on Saturday. So it's not like they're, you know, short of players already because of a few knocks. Yeah, Baron, five wins from five for Argyle so far. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, too much can't be read into pre-season results, but. Uh, 
there's no harm in winning games, is there? Absolutely not. You can only beat what's in front of you. So we've uh, we'll get a bit more like Chris says. You, I think we expected Western to step things up a little bit. You know, a National League South outfit. It'll be even more so tomorrow night with Torquay. Hopefully, Torquay are going to push our goal a little bit further. And obviously, the big one is on Friday against Cardiff. So I think, like you say, Stu, as long as they're winning, we can't read too much into it. But you know, better they're winning than not. Especially on Saturday when it sounded quite convincing mm. as well. Yeah, well, they're, they're, all the games have been so far. You know, it's Buckland as well, convincing yeah. as well. So. I think Tibby was the only one where they were really given a, a test, certainly in that first half, wasn't it, Chris? It was a pretty even first half. But well, yeah, Parkway weren't bad as well the week before. Mm. I mean, obviously yes. that, that was very, very early in the summer, but I mean, I was at Parkway, so I'd, I'd give Park a bit of credit as well. But like you say, as long as they're winning, you know, that's what the matters, isn't it? Beating what's in front of them. That's all you can do. Jack, you've been out away in Wales, so you've been missing out on our goal recently. I'm, I'm very out of the loop, but I know you said you were impressed with um, Jake Jervis up front in yeah. one of the games. Really? Yeah, well, Jake played a lone striker role on, on Saturday. Obviously, that number nine shirt is still vacant, so I think Derek's looking at mm. options available to him, especially with Ryan Taylor out. But I thought it was a lone striker. He played really well on, on Saturday. It's one of the talking points I did of the game is that they've tried Jake Jervis as a sort of as the main striker a couple of times, and it's not really worked. Mm. Um, now, against Western Supermare, it did work. But would that work in a, in a League One game? Is, is mm. Jake's got the attributes to do it. He's got the height... Um, he's got a bit of pace, or quite a lot of pace, actually. Great touch as well. He wouldn't be... If, you could, if he could get the consistency and, and play that role, he, he could be a threat. But history's told us that generally he's better off in that wider area. But he took his two goals well, Stu, didn't he, on yeah, um, very much so. Saturday? And he, he, he caused Western quite a few problems playing as that striker. But, you know, you've got Ryan Taylor, Nathan Blissett, A and other who's going to come in at some point or another. So... You know, we'll see how it works Jesus out. Jesus doesn't strike me as somebody who'd be strong as play as a target man. This is, he, he's this is, a slighter, isn't he? This is one of the things that he's had problems. But when you're in League 2, you, you generally have two big mm. physical centre-backs yeah. who, who, I think, kick lumps out of you is a bit of an exaggeration, but you know you know what I mean. Yeah. When you start going up the leagues a bit more, you tend to find more ball-playing yeah. defenders, and that physical side might not be quite as important um, as, as you go up. Well, um, his physique reminds me a lot of Marcus Rashford actually because he's very sort of tall and yes. slender and bags of pace yeah. if, if you could play him down the middle with his height and his pace that, that would trouble defences definitely because yeah. he would have the pace playing as a central striker that you know Ryan Taylor and Nathan Blissett wouldn't have for example and yeah. that might suit this new style that Ramirez has said that Adams wants to implement I think Aaron Adams has apparently told the players mm. He wants to play football. You know, he is he is going to be playing more on the deck. He's going to be using the talents of Lanieras and Carey. And yeah, we're not saying Adams was Route One in League Two, but there may be less Route One, more, less direct football, which may then age as who can get on the end of these yeah. threaded passes through with his pace. Well, that that will make other areas of the team interesting as well, I think, because we've seen Sarsovic playing as a as a sort of mm. anchor mm. man in midfield, and obviously he likes to get on the ball and, and dictate plays. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe that's the way he's he's looking to go. Yeah, it looks that way. That's what pre-season friendly is for, isn't it? Try these things yeah, out exactly. and see what works and what, and what doesn't. Yeah. Another player that's impressed in pre-season, or certainly impressed you, Chris, is uh, Cameron Sangster, young lad who didn't play on Saturday. I think that's just the sheer volume of games Argyle have had so far. But he's he's done very well, hasn't he, for a young lad? I think the best thing you could say is that if you saw the, the, the games, you wouldn't know that he was just a young 17-year-old lad that had never been in the first-team squad before. You know, he didn't... You know, stand out as being the weak link or frail, or you know, he he come in, he came in and, and did really well. And uh, yeah, I think you know, Derek Adams didn't want to give him too much of a heavy workload. You know, being so young, 
uh, so he wasn't involved against Western Supermare, but I, I suspect we'll see him again uh, between now and the end of pre-season. And yeah, he's certainly, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be starting games or even in the first team squad at Peterborough for the first game of the season, but he's definitely put himself in the mind of uh, Derek Adams as a possible first team player. And Derek's been really wholesome in his praise of him as well, hasn't he? He doesn't really come out and name players individually, but he certainly did so with, with young Cameron. No, he, 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 gave, he gave him a name check, which as you rightly say, Stu, he doesn't always do. So if, he, if Derek Adams is giving you a name check, you're doing something right. Mm, yeah. Uh, plenty of questions sent in from our listeners, as per usual, so thank you very much for them. Uh, start with a quick one from Rob Beadle. When can we see Jamie Ness at the Cardiff game? Question mark. Yeah, I mean Derek Adams is not giving too much away about the injury, so um, I'll be guessing if I, I'm sure he would like all the injured players to be playing against Cardiff because that is going to be a good workout. Mm-hmm. But we'll have to wait and see. You know, maybe uh, some of the injured players will be back uh, for for Tuesday against Torquay or Wednesday in the uh, game against the Devon FA Eleven. Yeah. Uh, moving on to this question from Lewis Rogers, it's a cracking question and it's pretty much a, a real talking point really for the Green Army right now. Do you believe Ruben Ramirez will give Graham Carey a run for his money or will Ramirez be p- played in a different position? Now this is something that you and I were speaking about briefly on, on Saturday, Chris, is mm-hmm. can Carey and Ramirez play in the same team? It's, it's, it's a good talking point, there's absolutely no doubt about that. I've been very impressed with Ruben Ramirez. You've always got to go back to the you, you look at the opposition that Argyle yeah. are playing against, right? So you can't get too carried away. You can't make too many judgments. And I, I know I sound a bit sort of uh, Baron smiling at me. He's going, I've heard Chris <laughs> talk like this before. Well, but, the good <laughs> example is David Goodwillie last summer, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So, and Spencer yeah. as well. Yeah, so you, you, can't, you can't get too carried away. But you can only play against the opposition you're playing, mm. as Baron said. Ruben Ramirez, in the games he's played, has looked good. He's good on the ball. He's always looking to go forward. Looks like he's got a good range of passing. He scored four goals in the pre-season games. What's not to like? Now, how that translates to playing in League One when we're playing against Peterborough on the first day of the season and then Charlton at home the following Saturday, that's the the $64 million question, isn't it? But Mm. he looks a good player. He looks more as though the number 10 role would be his best position. Of course, Graham Carey plays in the number 10 position. Graham Carey is, is proven at Argyle. Um, so how can you get Carey and Ramirez in the same team? To my way of thinking, Carey has shown at Argyle that he's quite good out on the left more often than the right, but he can play in the three behind the striker. He can play on the left. He puts in a good shift up and back. He can cut in off the flank when they're going forward. He can tuck back when Argyle are defending and help out the left back. And maybe you play Lemirez in the number 10 role. He's quite slight if you've not seen him yet. He's not the biggest. Put him in the number 10. Have Carey on the left or right, cutting in. You can't man-mark Carey when he's playing out on the left. See how that goes. But they're not. I can't see them playing as like two central midfield players because no. um, they'd be both looking to get into the same space, I think. Yeah. It was interesting to see at uh, Western on, on Saturday as well that when Graham Carey did come on, he, he was actually played wide on the right, wasn't mm. he? Which was uh, Again, he can do both. Yeah. And, and then if he plays out there, he can cut inside. Um, he's done it before. Barron saw it a few mm. times. Last. Newport County was one game away from home. I remember him make, doing it to, to very good effect. It means that you, it makes it difficult for the opposition to man Mark Carey if he's, if he's out, out wide. Um, It'd be an interesting one to see. Like I say, Lemirez, I'm not going to get you know too carried away, but you know you, you can't say that if you've seen the pre-season games he's been involved in, he has been very influential. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I think you're off, Chris, when uh, the rest of us did the piece on what team we think might start up a piece. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, Jack, I think you're the only one that had the mirrors in, in your starting 11, weren't you? I can't remember, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> all I remember. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, no, I did put him in. I don't know if I was the only one. I did put him in. I know we all have different midfielders. <laughs> the, the exciting thing is that, that we're even talking about someone possibly being able to play in that position where Kerry can play. You know, it's, it's an exciting thing. And he's come from a good background at Spurs. You know, he, hopefully he's learned his... Ooh. Uh, learned his trade and also he was playing in a very difficult situation at Coventry last year and yeah. he had some praise from people people up there so he's an exciting player um, and I'm excited to hopefully finally get to see Argyle tomorrow night at, tomorrow night at Torquay Isn't it great to think that Kerry might have some actual proper competition yes, exactly, he knows exactly. he can't have some of those bad games that he has had at times I mean he, he knows he's not undroppable if, if someone like Lemiris takes his chance whenever he gets it and no player should ever feel a drop ball in a team. I think that's a very no, dangerous. No, absolutely not. Well, that's the thing. When you look at those options that Derek Adams has now, the, the three behind the lone striker, he's really spoiled for choice. Seven, eight options, isn't he? I was impressed with Greg Wilde in the second half, Chris, when he came on. I thought he was superb up at Western. That right back was given absolute torrent time. <laughs> he was a bit too quick for the Western. Very right back. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yes. But also, yeah. it makes it very difficult for opposition to prepare against a team that has yeah. so many yeah, options. Yeah, absolutely. That could be the difference between, you know, top 12, bottom 12 next season. And going back to the mirrors, what's impressed me is his link-up play with Joel Grant as well. I think those two have yeah. seems to have forged quite a good understanding on the pitch. So, uh, yeah, I think it's safe to say that Argyle can certainly field a team with Lemiris and, and Kerry mm. in it. It's just a case, case, yeah. a case of... I don't think Lemiris has is, is, is got the the attributes to play in one of the wide positions because you've, you've got to do a bit of defensive duty. Yeah. You've got to, you know, sometimes get stuck in a bit and I think he'd be better, he'd be better suited to the central role. Whereas Carey, you know, can roll his sleeves up and, and do his mm-hmm. uh, defensive duties. I mean, the, the Portsmouth game at Fratton Park last season, I remember him doing it really well in that game. You know, and uh, but it's it's good options. As you know, you've got Grant, you've got Ainsworth, you've got uh, Wild, you've got uh, Jervis, who can all play in those wide positions. You've got Carey and Ramirez. Um, possibly, you know, the, the striking role is still that that thing that's just a little bit up in the air isn't it as, yeah. we, as we said I've not seen many games yet in terms of set pieces is, is, is that been Carey you know is Lemiris been involved it's in because or? yes Carey, Lemiris they're not playing 90 minutes at the moment mm. so they're playing 45 they, they haven't really looked there. like a team that works on set pieces no, to me to be honest no not I think they're too early for that yeah, yeah. I think they're just getting game time at the moment yeah uh, moving on then William Philp do you think the next signing will be a low knee again I guess it goes back to this number nine shirt doesn't it everyone seems to think Baron, that the number nine is going to be the next signing. We'll get that impression, don't we? Derek's pretty much that's the one thing that Derek has revealed is that he wants two players and one of them will be a striker. So, I mean, you know, last week Callum Dyson was thought to be the one on the way in, and it's now stalled because you've still got, what, six weeks of the transfer window left, and who knows what names are coming across Derek Adams' desk. So, he seems to be keeping his options open. I mean, I don't think he'd be averse to a low knee, but if you can get somebody on, on a free transfer permanently, then then why wouldn't he? I think mm-hmm. he's just he knows he's got to get that addition right because he's going to have to rely on them because when the window's shut, it's shut and he's got yeah. to go with what he's got. So it's an awful lot of pressure on bringing somebody in that's going to score goals. Yeah. They, they need some firepower and attack. Yeah. And a lot of Premier League clubs don't make the decisions on which club players they're going to loan out until after the season's actually started, yeah. which is why you, you tend to get a lot of loan signings towards the end of August. Mm-hmm. Now, Derek Adams might have had word that there's one or two possibles that you know, could come his way. And, and Baron says, you know, you could rush in and, and sign somebody now, but then you might kick yourself two or three weeks later yeah. when you see who's been made available by... Who you could have got. Absolutely. X, you know, look, look who you could have had sort of thing. So it, it might be a case that the, the, the number nine shirt doesn't actually get, 
you know, filled until, you know, towards the end of August. But, yeah. you know, that's the way modern football works, you know. That's why you think transfer window at the end of August, wouldn't it make more sense to have the transfer well, window? You hear, don't you, from the Premier League managers yeah. that you lose their better players in yeah. August, just ruining this yes. transfer window yeah. after the season starts because their plans are just torn up at the last minute. You know, they've you got no all, time to get replaced. You spend all yeah. pre-season building the team up yeah. and mm. then you can lose two or three yeah. players at the end of August and all the hard work you've done has um, gone out the window. Indeed. Uh, Matthew Penny is asking which new signing has impressed the panel so far this pre-season and why? Ramirez, I guess, is the one everyone's talking about with four goals in five. I think so. Ramirez has been good. Ainsworth is, like is quick. He's yeah, quick. Like Baron, you saw him. You liked him, didn't you? Yeah, with his, very alert, very quick. With his, with his good talker. Ryan, Ryan Edwards has fitted in. I was in. just about to say I've been impressed with Ryan Edwards. He's fitted in pretty well. There was an incident on Saturday, actually, Chris. I'm not sure if you remember it or not. Quite early in the game. So I thought uh, Jake Reed, the, the Western striker, had actually started quite well. He was getting on the, on the ball and playing it around a bit and then Ryan Edwards just came in and nailed it <laughs> and that was it he was out for the rest of the first half really? you could see it, was, yeah. it, it hurt him and he, he good just, strong northwest. Yeah, it's like right then. let's get you out of the game yeah. that type of tackle so yeah he's, he's impressed me I think him and him and Bradley are probably going to be the centre back partnership they look like they, they on paper it looks like a match made in heaven yeah absolutely they thought Bradley right for Edwards yeah. you know it, it that's the way two it, confident it, players that's the way so Edwards and Mirez you know, Ainsworth, I thought played well in the first half against Western. Good build up with Oscar Threlkeld for Jake Jervis's second goal. So, you know, those those three I would say, but. Um, I mean, know. they all have really, you know, the, the results have emphasised that. They've looked good going forward, they've not had a lot of defending to do. You no. know, Cardiff on Friday will be interesting because you would expect Cardiff to have plenty of the ball, and that might be the first time when we can really gauge the likes of Ryan Edwards and see yeah. how he fares against some of the. Uh, the, the sharp strikers yeah. that uh, Cardiff Bounder have on duty that night. Yeah, Jack, you've not seen the team yet. So what players are you looking forward to seeing of the, of the new signings? I think every fan likes to have attacking flair players. That's what gets the fans excited. And I'm looking forward to seeing some, some wingers that can play as wingers. I think we all yeah. know Derek Adams is playing with Jordan, you know, Jordan Slew and Jake Jervis. who did a decent job, don't get me wrong. You can't argue with Jervis's goal record over the last two years. But it's exciting to have wingers as wingers. And I'm excited to see them. And just how they link up. It's... it's, it's I think it's an exciting time and I think Derek Adams has done a good job yet again of proving that he can, he can excite fans by his signings and of course as we said the proof is in the pudding when the season starts but all he can do at the moment is, is what he's doing and it's getting the fans talking getting them excited which is great. Yeah. I'll tell you, tell you one thing if you have Greg Wilde down the left and Lionel Ainsworth down the right you're not going to be short of pace. Stretching that is serious pace on both flanks and um, you know you can, you can say you know Greg Wilde's crossing perhaps needs to improve you know and uh, it sometimes lets him down but if, if you're the opposition defence and you're facing a team with Wilder and Ainsworth in you, you know that you can't play too high up because right. you are asking if you're going to try and play a high line you're asking for trouble because they've got so much pace I think possibly yeah. what excites me more is whoever they play there's going to be some good players on the bench and for me as a fan that's when it gets frustrating you know if you want players that can change a game round I'll go looking like they're going to have some players that can come on and do some damage which I think is what you need. Yeah, interesting as well, Chris. The game at Western Supermare, we just how high or how far forward the fullbacks were as well. I mean, we saw Gary Sawyer hitting mm. the hitting the crossbar with the right foot curler, which was mm. uh, unheard of. But even Oscar Threlkeld, he was bombing on. And yeah, I mentioned that to Derek Adams afterwards, and he he was pleased with that. But he said you've got to know when to do it and the the right kind of opposition. And he made the point that Western tried fullbacks tried to play too far forward, and, and all that, and they got caught out repeatedly and. You know, it was good to see Threlkeld and Sawyer get forward so well and be part of the attacking play, and you'll need to see that in league games. But 
you know, equally there's going to be games in League One when they're going to need the full-backs to sit in, you know, make sure they give plenty of cover for the two centre-backs because Argyle are going to be up against some, some good teams in League mm-hmm. One. So I, I wouldn't expect to see Threlkeld and Sawyer playing with quite as much attacking abandon as we did on Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Michael W, I'm guessing that might be uh, Michael Wonderly, who's a regular listener to the show, but whoever Michael W is, uh, when it comes to recruitment, what is Derek Adams and company's strategy towards success in each of the windows? Have you found a sort of a profile that Derek Adams looks for in, in players, Chris? Um, Scottish background. <laughs> yeah. Um, somebody that perhaps hasn't fulfilled their potential, that, that he can work with and get the best out of. Um, versatile. Good character in the dressing room. Cheap. Cheap. Yeah. Doesn't have to be expensive. Yeah. You know, you know, we're hearing about um, you know, Portsmouth and Bristol Rovers signing strikers for, for good money. I, I can't see Argyle doing that. But Derek Adams has, has shown at Ross County and he's shown at Argyle that he doesn't need money. I'm sure he'd love to spend money, <laughs> but you know, who wouldn't? But he he's got that knack of getting people getting the best out of people we've talked about it on the podcast before he'll look for good characters he'll he'll want people that will fit in the dressing room so it's all those sort of things you you can look at the players that he signed this summer and they are you know because we've known Derek Adams for a couple of years now and looked at the signings he's made they are sort of archetypal Derek Adams signings really aren't they you know Aaron Taylor Sinclair people are sort of scratching their heads sort of saying well you know what what they brought him in for you know and but People said that about Jake Jervis, and they said that about Graham Carey, and they said that about lots of people that he's brought in and he's, he's got the best out of. So it, it, it's, it's all those sort of factors. Don't, don't you think, Baron? You know, he's, that's the sort of player he's Absolutely looking for, isn't right. it? Yeah, I think, like you say, that the, the money just isn't there for him to be any more, to, to sort of get maybe these, uh, these big names that people would like. You know, you mentioned there, you alluded to, um, to Tom Nichols, who's gone to Bristol Rovers today. Mm. Brett Pittman went to, to Pompey last week. I mean, they're the sorts of names that get people excited, but Adams hasn't got that luxury, so he has got to, to do the best he can with the money he's got available. And up to now, you know, he's done better than, than not, hasn't he, with, with yeah. the players he's brought in. We just have to look at some of the players they've brought in that have got big names. David Goodwin was a big name, yeah. it didn't work yeah. out. Now it's Bob Vitas excited people because he had a national background in the end, yeah. you know, he's gone. So big names don't necessarily guarantee success. Uh, finally then, Richard Sloman, do you think the fact, this is talking about the Checker Che Trophy, and of course that draw was made last week, Argyle mm. being paired with... Chelsea, Exeter and Yeovil. Uh, do you think that the fact Chelsea are in Argyle's group will encourage more interest in the Checker Trade Trophy this year? I guess from the, the Football League's point of view, Jack, I'll give this one to you because you're, you're the sort of fan amongst us. Um, it, it could be more appealing from Argyle's point of view than to have the, the academy of the Premier League champions, your biggest rivals and Yeovil. Well, that's a, I think... <laughs> I think Exeter is a game that will excite people possibly more than Chelsea. It'll be for me. It's, I've always been a fan of cup games, as, as people know. Listen to the podcast. Do I like the Checkered Trophy as it is? Not particularly, but I still like cup games, so I'll still be attending the games. What will be fascinating for me is to see whether people do attend Chelsea and Exeter. The ones that are saying I don't agree with it because it's always a test, isn't it? Blackpool fans at Wembley. I have respect for ones that stick to their principles and don't just shove them to the corner when they've got an attractive tie. Mm. It will be an exciting, I mean, there's, there's, it will be exciting to see players of the future. Um, and I'm, I will be fascinated to see whether people turn up. I'll be there, I'll be watching it as long as I'm not working. So it'll be, yeah, it'll be good. Yeah, I, think, I think three or four of the um, England under-19 squad, which won the European Championships um, at the weekend, uh, played for Chelsea. And I think they played against Exeter in the competition last year. So... 
if you saw any of the uh, England under 19 um, games, which which I did, you know they've got some good players there. There's a lad Mason Mount, mm-hmm. who I was really impressed with the number 10 there. Looked a really tidy player. Um, I've done a piece for this, um, which is online now, so you'll have a chance to read it on the Herald website and see it in various places. Um, as you know, I'm not a big fan of the Checker Trade Trophy. Um, it is an interesting one, though, for the, for the fans that say boycott the Checker Trade Trophy. You, as you rightly say, Stu, you've got the academy, or you've got some of the best young prospects at the Premier League champions turning up on a probably, we don't know the date yet, but probably a Tuesday night in the school summer holidays. There could be loads of kids that want to go and see Chelsea at home park. It might not be the first team, but they might want to say to their dad, look, I want to go and see Chelsea, I want to go and see Chelsea. Yeah. And the dad will say, well, look, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so aren't playing. Yeah, but I want to go and see Chelsea. It's so, the name, isn't it? And then yeah. the, the Argyle fans, uh, and they're numerous, and I know I get lots of feedback from people on Twitter saying, oh, I'm going to boycott it, I boycott the Jack Trade Trophy. Are you going to boycott the game against Chelsea? And more to the point, as Jack says, and Jack's the, the fan, the heart and the sleeve man amongst all of us, you know, it's, it's Exeter. Exeter and the Checker Trophy. Are you really going to not go to the Checker Trophy game against Exeter because of your principles? Now, that's a question the fans have got to ask themselves. If Argyle play Exeter at Home Park, even in the, the Checker Trade Trophy, ordinarily, in, in the a, in a first thing game, you'd expect 10,000 people there, wouldn't you? Mm. It'd be fascinating how many people turn up that night for the game against Exeter at Home Park. Um, and that will give us a really good gauge of how much strength of th- feeling there is against the Chatter Trade Trophy yeah. and the possibility that letting teams like Chelsea under-21s playing is eventually going to lead at some point to Chelsea under-21s playing in the League 3 or being part of the EFL. So it's um, it, it's a good litmus test. If, if, if Argyle get poor gates against Chelsea and Exeter, that will speak volumes about the antipathy that people have for the competition. Yeah, Ben, what's your view on the, on the competition? Yeah, Jack and Chris touched on the main points there. I think to answer Richard's question, I think it does make it, I think it will encourage more interest. I think if you'd had a similar group set up to last year and it was Swansea City bringing their academy down, I mm. think you would get a widespread boycott and you'd struggle to get more than one or 2,000 up there for, for Swansea if they were coming down. But like you say, the fact that it's the, it's the glamour of it being Chelsea and the, the stars of the future that would come down and you can say that you know I saw them play before they were famous or I saw them down at home park I mean how often do you get a Premier League club in whatever guys playing at home park I mean yeah. it, it's going to be very very exciting and as Jack says the Exeter game I mean, you, you cannot avoid that I mean um, Derek Adams and Paul Tisdale are not going to want to lose that match and therefore they will put out a strong side regardless of the competition they don't want to lose the Devon Derby and the fact that the teams are now no longer in the same division who knows how long it might be until they play each other again. Um, I just think it will be very difficult for people to stay away. I think it's fair play to the EFL, who I know is not a popular tr- competition, I don't like it particularly, but I think the changes they have made are positive changes. I think having the Premier League teams travelling rather than hosting mm, is, a, yeah. is a positive change. Yeah. And I think having <laughs> localised more than yeah. it was last year is also positive. Is it perfect? No. But I think the changes are better than what it was this time last and year. And also the changes to the League 1 and League 2 clubs in terms of what teams they can play as well. Because I think that was the biggest issue last year. We've seen these crazy situations where Bradford was substituting their goalkeeper after a minute yeah. just and to comply and with Luton the rules. were and fine and they were beating And they were making changes for the Exactly, yeah. So uh, I do, yeah, you've got to give the EFL credit, I suppose, for trying to make changes for the better. So... And if, it, and if it does improve Gates, then it's, they're going to think it'll be a success. And yeah. maybe it will. Well, I'm sure well, you, you can't see anything but higher Gates, given the current format. I don't think it so. necessarily would attract huge no. crowds, but the other no. two, yeah. Right, brilliant. Well, thanks, guys, for joining us. Uh, that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, we'll be back again same time next week for more of the same. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.
We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at Herald PAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.